Hey everybody, welcome to episode 51 of Making It. I'm Bob Claggett, here with Jimmy DiResta. Hello. And David Picciuto. Hello. Oh, you know, I was thinking, I should have done it this time, but I was thinking about doing like an opening with a with a full-on radio voice. Oh. <laughs> yeah, let's, and, let's hear your radio voice. And is pretend that, yeah, like we were going to start doing voice. it like that way from now on. <laughs> like, hey everybody, welcome to episode 51 of Making It. I'm Bob Claggett, here with Jimmy DiResta. Hello. And David Picciuto. I'm out of here. Yeah, see, that, that, I, don't think it would, I don't think it would work for long. Oh, that's hilarious. Anyway. Yeah, I grew up doing a bunch of different voices. That was like, <laughs> that was the thing. Like, I was the youngest kid. I would always come in at, you know, family gatherings and everybody like, yeah, hey, do the voice. Do Pee Wee Herman or do, you know, whatever. <laughs> Tenth caller wins Drake tickets tonight. <laughs> yes. And David's buying them. Oh. Yeah. Shoot. No. Um, so yeah, episode fifty-one. We made it past fifty. Yeah, that's awesome. Should probably wrap up. Does that yeah. mean we're, we're done after this? We can finish. I think so. Yeah, yeah. that's it. That's, that's nice knowing that everybody out there. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for listening. <laughs> we have run out of topics. Pretty much. <laughs> it ain't easy. It ain't easy to keep the conversation going. But you know, when we think about what we do on a day-to-day basis, there's always something to talk about. Yeah. It's it's no different than being in a relationship, right? Hmm. I really have nothing else to tell Kelly, so I just keep telling her the same things I've been telling her the last five years. <laughs> That's awesome. That's a good point. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. Well, before we go in, I want to, um, as always, thank our Patreon supporters, especially Nicholas Gomez, Luis Gonzalez, Chris Kopp, and Jeremy White. Um, really appreciative for those guys and, and everybody else there, their support. Is awesome. Thank you. Thank you. If you guys want to support the show, you can go to patreon.com slash making it. Should do that in my voice. Patreon.com slash making it. <laughs> there you go. Are you making money with your voiceover yet? I am not. Have you tried? You should. I have not. I don't have time to do anything else. Well, if you did, that would be the easiest thing for you to do as far as time and money. Yeah, maybe. I, I know somebody here in the city who is my, my friend's boyfriend and He's a, a local voiceover guy, and he doesn't. He's just every day. He's like in shorts and a t-shirt, as if like he has absolutely not a care in the world because he makes a ton of money just doing voiceover stuff. Well, give him my email address. What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> Why are you putting it on me? You know the guy. They're very possessive about their contacts and stuff. You know, oh, especially yeah, sure. guys that are successful at it, like him. He, like I say, he lives in Tribeca. He doesn't seem to have a care in the world. Hmm. And I hear his voice from time to time on the radio. I'm like, oh, that's that dude. <laughs> it yeah. is something I've always wanted to do. Because, like, yeah, like I said, I did grow up doing voices and stuff. I always wanted to do cartoon work or something like that. I thought that'd but, be you know, fun, but you know what you're really good at, which obviously doesn't really matter in the days of editing, but I could see you, I watch you do a video, and you take one long take of conversation. Me, I'm like, um, uh, the doorbell rings, uh, I lose my train of thought, I got to look at the notes. You talk for, like, four solid minutes, and you absolutely hit every point without an um and an ah. I think maybe I'm just better at editing than you realize. <laughs> no, 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 no. Because it's all jump cut, same take, you know, like a Woody Allen take. It's just one long take. I'm looking for the jump cuts in between the ums and the ahs, but there aren't any. That's because I cut them out. I mean, because I, I said the same thing like 10 times in a row, and uh, then one of them was good, and I got rid of all the other ones and just, yeah. Well, yeah. That's Bob, it. You do you have notes, in front, of, do you have do notes have in front of yourself when you're doing voiceover work and talking to camera? No. No, so nope. I I have to, because I'll I'll try to it's like okay I'm going to talk about these three things and I always forget number three so I have my hmm. iPad hanging from the ceiling right above <laughs> the camera lens and it has my notes on there and I can you know how how bad stuff. and forgetful I am I'll make a list for myself 
I'll hang it up. I'll do the thing. I'll publish it. And then three days later, I'll be like, oh my God, I completely forgot like point four <laughs> and five that were in my head that didn't make it to the note. We're like, what's that list hanging on the wall? <laughs> oh, I forgot to use that list. Yeah. <laughs> That's another thing I do. I write lists all the time, but I don't look at them. I do occasionally make like, so the video I'm putting out tomorrow is a programming. It's like an intro to programming kind of video. And I did make an outline for that just so I wouldn't miss my points. But, you know, I don't ever write out what I'm actually going to say. Because I think that for me, that messes me up to have to think about that at far ahead of time. Then I'm like trying to match what I actually wrote down. Mm. And it sounds all robotic for me. Mm. I, I do not write word for word what I'm going to say. I'll have bullet points. But I do, I do. In my older videos, like I sound robotic. It sounds like I'm reading, and I'm. I think it's just like a learned thing that you you correct over time. Yeah, I mean, you learn where to put like inflection into things to make it sound more natural and stuff, you know. But or like in my case, when I am saying something and I say it ten times in a row because I've messed up a word or something, by the time I get to the tenth time, it's like I don't have to think about it anymore, and it sounds more natural because I've said it a bunch. So. Uh, I always find when I do a voiceover, I always notice like my first few sentences or the first couple minutes, I'm faster. And then I've, I've by the end hmm. of the video, I've slowed down and I've, I got a little bit more calm. So maybe over the last two or three months, I've kind of gone back and then redid the first half of the video again when I'm doing like voiceovers post yeah. post video, because I, for whatever reason, I'm just rushing through it too quick or I'm just not comfortable yet. Do you ever find any difference when you when you do that? Do you ever find any difference getting your voice to match between those two different days of recording? Mm, totally. I I don't think it's something I've worried about too much. You said you do, Jimmy? Yeah, my voice sounds different. If I'm doing a voiceover and then the dog barks, I have to cut it right there and then do the second half of the voiceover. It sounds totally different. Yeah. I have a problem with that. I mean, I just, case in point, I listened to when I, I dropped a lathe off at my house upstate. I literally talk in the first few seconds, and then I the video cuts to me upstate. And right there, I also I had to stop and start again, literally minutes apart. And it sounds like I'm in a different room, a different house. And I, I tried my best to make them sound the same, and they sound like two different people talking. Yeah, I'm the same way. I found recently I tried to, and this goes for shooting, like uh, facing the camera stuff and doing voiceovers, but I found I tried to record something in the morning, after I'd been up, I'd run, I'd showered, I'd had coffee. I was awake, you know. Then I recorded something, and at the time, it felt fine. And then later in the afternoon, I went to edit it, and I was like, I look like I just woke up, and I sound like I just woke up. <laughs> I can't use that. And so now, I've gotten into the habit of I will do all the stuff that's, like, non-recording in the mornings so that after lunch is when I try to actually do speaking stuff, like, to the camera so that I know that I look awake <laughs> and I sound awake. Oh, my goodness. My last two videos are Q&A videos on my YouTube channel. I did them early in the morning, and it sounds like I did them early in the morning. I look tired mm. or I look wasted. I don't I don't know. <laughs> but I'm like, oh, man, don't, don't record in the mornings anymore, or at least not yeah. first thing. My problem yeah. is I record at three in the morning when I'm like talking like this so I don't wake anybody else up while I'm doing mm. my voiceover. Mm. And everyone sounds like, you know, it's like you got your bedroom voice on. Yeah. And they're right. Yeah. <laughs> His after dark voice. <laughs> cool. What have you guys been uh, up to? It's getting close to Christmas. Anything out of the ordinary schedule wise? Um, I am working on making clocks. Most of my oh, family nice. is getting clocks. So I just took some... Uh, I, I just bought a bunch of clocks on Amazon and I'm gutting them. Uh, 
and I know you can buy clock kits, but you can't get like curved glass and stuff. So uh, I'm just gutting all these clocks and I use some maple veneer over some plywood, ran it through the laser engraver and plopping it back in. And that's what everybody's getting for Christmas. Sweet. And then that's working. cool. I just saw, I saw that on your uh, Instagram. Yeah. And then still working on the basement. I was earlier today, mudding and sand in the ceiling i wasn't going to put a ceiling in the band room and then i I decided this needs a ceiling so i did that was awful (laughs) (laughs) and uh, yeah i don't you know what i don't ever want to build walls again if i'm ever (laughs) in a position where i have to make new rooms i'm gonna pay somebody else to do it it was not fun oh it's the worst people say to me all the time they're like oh you make stuff i'm like yeah they're like um i'm redoing the bathroom in my apartment do you want to bid on it i was like i don't i make things i don't Build bathrooms. What, would you like to redo my kitchen? I go, no, I don't do kitchens. Could you hang a door in my bedroom? I said, I don't do anything. I don't, I go, everything, I go, imagine the apartment is actually built by a guy who builds apartments. I said, after the apartment's done and all the doors and kitchens and everything else is in, I go, I make everything else. <laughs> Furniture, <laughs> shelves, I all like that, that stuff. Yeah. So, but uh, people call me all the time. The other day, my friend who, who knows me very well, he said, hey, I goes, I got the job to manage this reconstruction at a local bar. Literally, like it's on the next block from here. He goes, do you want a quote on the bathroom? I was like, I go, no. I go, wouldn't have you ever known me to build a bathroom? He's like, oh, I don't know. I just thought it was a good job for you. I'm like, no, I don't want to build a bathroom. It's a nightmare. I mean, you could give a ridiculous quote. But then I'm stuck. <laughs> Even if they gave me 25 grand to do the bathroom, which is a little tiny bathroom in a crummy bar, I, I, I would regret every minute of it. I'd be like, oh, my God, I wish I was making a movie right now. Hmm. You know what the movie would be? The movie would be me going back and forth to the plumbing store 40 times to find the right <laughs> piece that goes between <laughs> the fitting coming out of the wall and the sink that they picked online. I yeah. think I have gone to Home Depot <laughs> a minimum of two times a day for the past seven days. It's just, I'm so sick of Home Depot right now. You know how um, if you have the Google app on your phone, it tries to predict where you're going or your time to home. Every time I get in my car now, anytime between like 9 a.m. and 5 p.m., it says, you know, 11 minutes to Secor Road where Home Depot is. It knows I go to Home Depot every day now. You have a problem, David. Yeah. You know what? I just drove I just drove back from upstate just now. I, I literally got back like an hour ago from upstate because I had some other stuff to do. I'm going back tomorrow after my last day of school. But I hopped in the car and my, I, put the, I didn't even touch the phone. I haven't touched it since the night before. And the phone says... Two hours and 40 minutes to 2nd Street. I'm like, how the hell does the phone know that's where I intend on going? How does it know I'm not going to the auto parts store? (laughs) But the phone knew what I was thinking. I wasn't going to pick it up because I know that route. But the phone laid the route out for me. I didn't even do anything. I just got in the car. And as I'm in the car, it says, this is where you're going. Tell the truth. You weren't going to pick it up because you were scared of it all of a sudden. I was. I was like, (laughs) I'm not touching that thing. Are you crazy? (laughs) I I don't know. It's just amazing to me how this predictive technology. Yeah, it is pretty wild. So what have you been doing? You've been working upstate? Uh, yeah, we went upstate uh, for the weekend, and we're going to try and spend, you know, through probably through to the new year. But I have a couple things I have to do. So, that, of course, uh, I'm doing the podcast now, but as soon as I'm done with you guys, I have to go to the shop and work on a few things. I'm, uh, I'm working on a mirror for a local place just across the street. That's going to be a video of me making a round mirror, a simple mirror. And uh, uh, weeks ago, I did, months ago, I made this, this video and I just finished the edit last night upstate. So I'm going to post that in the next couple of days. I made this desk that goes on the back of a cargo bike, which is kind of odd. I didn't mm. post any pictures of it or anything. So that's going to be a video that I finally put out and I'll attach 
the my friend. It's due for a friend, so it's going to be associated with his website and everything. So you get to see. I made my friend is riding around the city with this bike desk, interviewing people. It's kind of a variety bike show, so it's fun. So I just finished that edit, and then uh, I'm working on another round of ice picks. And then yesterday, I was happy to say I went to uh, in Albany, New York. See, I just went. Uh, that's what I do all the time. Uh, <laughs> I got to learn how not to. Uh, I went to Harbor Freight and I spent $800 on Harbor Freight and I was laughing because I remember, (laughs) I remember early on in the podcast and like every time I go to Harbor Freight, it's a thousand bucks. I just like fill the card up. So I bought a bunch of stuff yesterday. Did you get anything cool or is it just like stuff? Uh, No, I got lots of, cause I'm trying to work upstate and my shop in the city is so well established that I know where there's crazy glue. I know where there's this, there's like mixing sticks. There's so many little dumb things. I know where they are. And upstate, I go to turn, and I'm like, oh, and then it's a 25-mile ride to Home Depot. And so I I went, I got, like, O-rings, I got all kinds of, like, little nuts and bolts. But while I was there, I also got – I have a buffing wheel upstate, and every time I put one of these these, uh, ice picks to it, the buffing wheel slows down. So I was like, that is it. I'm getting a new buffing wheel. So I went and I bought two, I bought the six and the eight inch buffing wheel. The eight inch buffing wheel is incredibly strong from Harbor Freight. It's like 80 bucks. So maybe like 110 bucks. And, uh, I recommend it. And it comes with a grinding wheel on one side and the buffer on the other. And I also bought the 12 inch disc sander, which I've been wanting to get. So I haven't even plugged it in yet, but, uh, so I bought the three machines, the two buffers and that. And then I bought a bunch of little hand tools, hand sanders, just stuff. I'm in the Harbor Freight, whatever, exclusive club, whatever it's called. The Inside Track Club, so I get a little bit of a discount. So, it's actually, since I bought into the, this is, I'm so forgetful. I bought into the thing, whatever, for 30 bucks, the Inside Track Club. And I never have the card with me. And they don't have the system where, as you could just give me your phone number, and it's like you come up. You got to have the actual card, because you just a barcode. They don't have a name associated with it. And so, every time I bought the thing, like five or six times I've been to, to Harbor Freight since then, I never had the card with me. So, yesterday, knowing I was going to spend a lot of money, I brought it with me. <laughs> so, I got the discount I paid for you last year. <laughs> nice. But, yeah, that's it. And just uh, trying to do some last-minute things by the end of the year. And excited. Excited. Cool. Um, speaking of Harbor Freight, so, uh, in my videos, you've seen me welding on the on the ground. Mm-hmm. Which I know is not ideal. It's not the thing that you're supposed to do, <clears throat> but that's kind of the only option I've had. So the plan was for me to find a big sheet of steel that I could throw on top of my work table, use that as a welding table. And I still was thinking about that. Recently, somebody sent me a link to the Harbor Freight welding table, and it's a collapsible, I think it's maybe two by three or two by two, but it folds up into a stand that you know will slide in between two pieces of furniture. And so I got to looking at it because I'd never paid attention to it. And it was like 70 something dollars. And then they have right, you know, this time of year, they have 25% off coupons like the entire time. And so I think I'm going to give that a shot so that I don't have to have another giant sheet of steel that I have to put somewhere and I don't have to have, you know, I don't have room to make another table. So this is something I can get that I can fold up and put away. So David, as you start welding more, which you should. I I have a table. I oh, actually, you do. yeah, I actually went to Harbor Freight to get that table, and I thought it, it seemed really flimsy. So oh, okay. I went back and I ordered one online, and I don't know what it is offhand, but I'll send you a link to the one I have, and I'll yeah. I'll show you. It's it's put together. It's it's not collapsible, but it's sitting mm-hmm. out in the garage waiting to be used. Actually, right Thank now you. it's it's being used to hold a bunch of spray paint cans. <laughs> 
Nice. It's probably a cheaper way to do that. <laughs> yeah, there probably is. I should. I need to be more organized. That's all there is to it. Well, that yeah. Me the, too. The collapsibility of it was something that I really needed. Um, but that's interesting. Well, it's not not surprising to hear that it's flimsy, but sad. <laughs> well, I mean, go look for it for yeah, yourself and, and, and make make that decision. Because otherwise, I'm going to have to just order. It, it's weird. There's no place in town here to buy steel other than the big box stores. There's no, did you just Google like steel supplier, steel mill? I have, there's nothing here and it doesn't make any sense because there are fabricators here. There's, you know, a lot of people who build really interesting things here and they have to get it brought in on a truck from Augusta or Jacksonville or, you know, these places that are a couple hours away and they have to buy it in bulk. It's just, it's really strange to me. It's gotta be something that I just can't find, but Anyway, because of that, getting a big sheet of steel to use as just a tabletop that I can throw on is kind of a pain because then I have to pay for shipping on a single piece and, you know. So I'm going to, I've looked at uh, onlinemetals.com is apparently a a good cheaper place to buy uh, different metals. And so I found a sheet there that'll probably work, but it's, you know, shipping's 40 bucks. And anyway, that's one of the things I'm looking at is trying to get better welding set up for now. Um, but as far as me, what I've been working on, not a whole lot. Well, a whole lot <laughs> that is not going to be obvious for a while. Still working on the arcade, which the artwork is all printed. It's shipped. Should be here Thursday, which I'm really excited about. Um, and then that will be able to move on and working on a couple other things that are kind of longer term projects. So I'm not really sure that I'm going to put out a video next week. I might take it off. It's hmm. Christmas. Uh-oh. Yeah. Weird for me. <laughs> but... I don't know. We'll see. I mean, I may come up with something to make a video of, but I've been out of town all weekend. We went to Florida to see my wife's family. Went to a a wedding last night on a Monday night, which is really strange. And I, I'm sure you guys probably feel the same way, but are uh, wedding receptions like the most uncomfortable thing in the world to you guys? I, I hate I hate them, and Taylor hates them so much. Taylor said, "I don't even want to go to my own wedding." She said to me, "She goes, can we just like." get married somewhere like and just have it be official but like absolutely tell nobody and not be involved with anything at did. all. <laughs> yeah i was like yeah sure and my buddy my buddy danny who's gonna hear this and he's gonna freak out he performs weddings and he's been telling us when when you guys are ready just let me know and she's like can danny to come over to the apartment and do it and then be done with it I said, probably <laughs> but no we both always say like we we always every time we go to a wedding reception we say let's let's promise never to do this again <laughs> yeah, it's just so strange. I mean, I totally get it. As as you know, a married person, I totally understand why that's like it. It can be an important point or, or a fun point in your life and a thing to do. But as somebody who has to go and wrestle four kids at a oh, really yeah. loud, really far away thing, man. Whew. Anyway, I won't harp on that too much. But it was <laughs> it was an interesting. <laughs> But the good thing was I had to drive four and a half hours to get back last night, so I had an excuse to leave. So I got back at like one thirty, hmm. and got up this morning and went and saw Star Wars again. Again, again. again. <laughs> I was gonna when you said before I'm at the movies, I'll be home soon. I'm like, yeah, I wonder if he said Star Wars. Yes, but I know he went Friday night. So <laughs> yeah, so the plan was for me to go to Florida this weekend and then come back and see it today with a couple of buddies of mine. And um, I was just so worried about somebody spoiling it in between. You know, when it came out and today, it's like five <laughs> days and oh, all my friends are talking about it. 
But wait, you so, did get to see it early, though, right? You said yeah, I, I so, noticed on Twitter or something. You said you were yeah. So going. before I left for Florida, I ended up a friend of mine came over, sat with the kids while they were sleeping, and I went to the movie and got to see it. And then I went and saw it again today, and it was even better the second time. I mean, it's <laughs> it's really fantastic. You could have just so. brought your kids sleeping and just locked them in the car and then went into the movies. <laughs> Nobody would have said anything. N- not really how that works. <laughs> <laughs> That's the kind of, that'd be like front page news. Man yeah. locks family in car to go watch. To go watch Star, Star Wars. Wars. <laughs> Worst person in the world right here. <laughs> <laughs> That's a total New York story. That would happen here in New York and Queens. Oh, I, I don't doubt that it's happened somewhere, but <laughs> it's, it's not going to be me. So the, the, the thing that intrigues me the most is that, is that robot that has like the head that stays in place. Yes. And that thing really just rolls around. Does it like what if it rolls through like uh, mud or poop or something? Does it get all stuck up under his hat? I don't know. Probably under <laughs> <laughs> his hat every single I mean, week. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's pretty amazing to be honest. It is an amazing thing no, to watch. Because it's an it's, amazing robot. I saw. I saw like Whoopi Goldberg was talking to it online somewhere, like in like a trailer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, no. She like it came out on the View or something, and I, oh, they, okay. they, there was a little like pre roll on one of the videos, and it, was, it is an incredible robot. Yeah, and it's like a practical, like a real thing. Yeah, they that, had the real one in this little. It I stopped really rolls to watch around. It. Hmm. So there's a guy I've talked about before, um, James Bruton, that does a YouTube channel called X Robots, and he makes these like cosplay costumes and robotic stuff. And he's on his second version of that robot. He's making his own from scratch. Wow, it's crazy. I mean, there's like inertial measurement stuff that's going on to keep the head balanced on top of the ball, and there's it's bizarre. But he's doing some really good stuff to you know, figure it out on his own and make it work. Hmm. Pretty crazy. I would love to do that, but I, I'm not sure that I have the the patience to dedicate to like such a long-term project. Cause I mean, you know, he works on those things for months at a time in the videos. There's like, this is part 22 of the robot build. And you know, and how long is your arcade cabinet been going on? But see, I didn't start on it that long. Oh, ago. Okay. okay. <laughs> Conceptually. It, David. Yeah. Yeah. It's, but it's so close. It's close. I'm excited. Me too. Oh. I can't wait. So, anyway, uh, what are we going to talk about this week? We always love the suggestions, so if you guys have them, you can send them to at Making It Podcast. But I think one of them was the roles our families play. In- mm, yes. So, mm-hmm. I don't remember the specific. Do you have the specific question in front of you? Uh, yeah. Yes. The This comes from Rich. The role your families play in shaping, supporting your maker journey. So, uh, I mean, this... Uh, Maybe this is a two-parter, childhood families and current household families. For sure. Yeah. yeah. But but for me, uh, in, in high school, I was allowed to take any shop classes that I want. So I took all the, I took all the wood shop classes that I could. Um, you know, growing up, in, growing up, I got to see my grandpa make stuff. He was a woodworker out in his garage and... and it really didn't have an inf- those shop classes and seeing my grandpa make stuff didn't really have much of a influence on me until I hit like 35 and then I just wanted to start making things and then so I would reflect back on high school and you know talk to my grandpa and visit him in his shop and uh yeah and then I guess the 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 role Kelly plays is my wife is I wouldn't be able to do this without her because she's the one that says, "Hey, quit your job and make silly videos for a living. I'll pay the house payment if I have to." <laughs> and uh, mm. and so and so here we are, and it's it's changed it's changed my life for the better, and I love it. 
And I can't wait for the podcast to get over with so I can go back down in the basement and make more things. So fine, go. We can handle it without you. Oh, this is fun too. This is fun. (laughs) When this subject came up, uh, I thought right away about my brother Joey, who helped me early on. When when I got out of school, my brother helped me. Like, well, he he was going through some change of life at the same time. He he was finally deciding what he wanted to be at twenty six. So I was twenty one, and he wanted to be with me in the toy business. And he realized uh, inventing and coming up with ideas from from week to week and trying to sell and market those ideas was really becoming his passion. And me being the idea guy and him being more of like a salesman more of like a people person liking to meet, wanting to meet people within companies and me not necessarily being interested in that. Like he remembers people's names and he remembers the names of their wives and their kids and stuff. Me, I'm just like, I don't even remember the guy's name because I'm like too busy just like being more interested in the shop stuff. So he sort of protected me early on when we first did our toy business stuff together. And he he just said, you know what, I'm going to do this thing. You stay here in the shop. Or uh, he would like introduce me to people if absolutely necessary, you know, to kind of maintain a relationship. But he protected me from all the business stuff. And he said, there's no reason for you to know about insurance and rents and all that stuff. And he, he, he basically, like, you know, for lack of a better term, coddled me and, and kept me alone in the shop and said, just keep coming up with ideas and just keep learning how to do stuff. And so for about, from about 90 to like 90, 99, 2000, I just focused on making stuff and learning how to make stuff and inventing things. And, and that was a lot of my toy business experience right there. And then, and Joey handled all the other stuff that he actually enjoyed handling along with inventing, you know, we did a lot of brainstorming together. And, uh, so I, I commend my brother with that. And now, and now fast forward to my time now with Joey got married, moved into New Jersey and our businesses kind of started taking two different directions. I started getting involved with TV and he got hired by a company in Pittsburgh. So he's been in Pittsburgh for the last several years working. He works in Pittsburgh a few days a week and works in New Jersey. So he goes back and forth. But, uh, now, I see Taylor in the same position that I was in. And I, I don't want to see Taylor take a regular job. And that's what Joey always said to me. because I don't want to see you take a regular job because you're not the type of person that belongs in a regular job. I want to see you just keep nurturing this sort of entrepreneurial spirit that the two of us together were exploring. And so I'm doing the same thing now with Taylor. You know, she from time to time says, should I get a regular job? And I say, no, you know, as long as we could afford to do this, there's no, there's no reason for you to get a regular job. You, you know, you're, you're, Talents are better suited to just experimenting in the shop and developing your furniture line and experimenting with making new fashion items. She's doing a lot of fashion items as far as like home accessories. So uh, she's experimenting, learning how to use the lathe. She's been lathing brass and doing really cool stuff. And I'd rather see her do that than be at a job and, you know, just trying to keep her. She definitely brings money in with her furniture line, but she doesn't have like a nine to five. And from time to time, she feels a little guilty about that. And I said, don't feel guilty about it because you're a maker and you could basically do whatever you want as long as you focus on it. And uh, so, like I said, I'm just trying to nurture her spirit, her maker spirit. Hmm. So, And then, of course, she, she nurtures mine as well. You know, she'll show me things and say, look at this. This is the type of thing you should be doing. And I'm like, oh, wow, that is pretty cool. She's much more exploratory when it comes to looking at other designers. I just look down at my hands constantly <laughs> and she'll, she'll grab my head and point it in a new direction. Every couple of days. And, uh, hmm. you know, so that's definitely how she helps me out for sure. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah I, my wife is kind of the same way. Like she's, she's really good. She doesn't, she can make a lot of things. She doesn't have the time to make a lot of things because she's taking care of our kids and um, does roller derby and stuff. 
because she has a history of, you know, making jewelry and, and building sets when she was growing up and all this different stuff. But she's really fantastic at um, coming up with ideas that, like, cover the full spectrum of reasonable to totally unreasonable. And then she'll give me those ideas, and I can usually pull something either directly out of them or it inspires me to, you know, go a different direction. Like, she, you know, over the years I've been in different bands, and she's come up with the names for the bands and for the albums. She's named video games that I've developed with friends of mine. You know, she just she's just really good at brainstorming stuff, which is a huge help for me because kind of like you were saying, you, you're looking at your hands. I get in that cycle where I'm just like, I go like spiral in to the thing that I know, you know, I don't look for outside input often, which can be really bad. But, um, but f- as far as growing up, um, my dad always made stuff in the shop. He was a dentist, um, but just constantly was making, you know, stuff for the house and, and, uh, just, I don't know. He's always in the shop. And then my, my grandfather, his dad was kind of the exact same way. He's a sculptor. We've talked about him before, you know, he's like a carver and a painter and makes model airplanes and just all sorts of stuff. My other grandfather was a contractor and built McDonald's buildings and a bunch of other stuff. But that was the thing that I really remember is like he built McDonald's mm-hmm. all around. And so, you know, he always had a shop full of tools, a big pickup truck full of tools. And so I was always around those. But one of the things that really, and, and those were like the situations that I saw. But my parents, I th- think, did a really interesting thing to help me have the freedom to make stuff and not feel worried about it, like worried about whether it was good or not or whether I should or shouldn't be. So I have an older brother and sister, uh, five and seven years older than me. So they went through their teenage years before I got to the teenage stuff. And my sister told me one time that they, when I was like 12 or 13, they sat my brother and sister down and said, okay, what did we do wrong with you guys? <laughs> like, tell us what we should not do with him, which is amazing. I mean, that speaks to how awesome my parents are <laughs> That's who listen to this podcast, by the way, so they can tell me if that's true or not. But anyway, <laughs> um, so, and, and my sister said something to the effect of like, back off, you know, give him some space because, you know, he's a kid. And so they did. And they gave me the freedom to like our basement was pretty much whatever I wanted it to be. And, um, you know, I didn't, I never had a curfew as long as they knew where I was, they knew I was a good kid. You know, I didn't like, they weren't overbearing. Like I see myself being as a parent. And so my basement was within a couple of year spans. I built a huge quarter pipe skateboard ramp inside my basement that turned out it was too big to get out of the door of the basement. <laughs> It, I had a climbing wall that then later on turned into a stage. I used to have band practices and we actually had a show in my basement with like 90 people when oh. I was a senior in high school. I mean, they just, they let me paint like a huge mural on one wall. And I, I had like a little area that had like computers and stuff. Like, I think I talked about my bat cave before when I was a kid, I had this like play bat cave down there. They just let me do whatever I wanted to in there. And they didn't ever make me feel bad about like wanting to take electronics apart or, you know, just scavenge pieces from pieces of wood from uh, construction sites and from the dump piles and build stuff out of them. And so that was always pretty amazing. Like they give me a lot of freedom there. 
That's exactly what my dad did, by the way. A lot of people say to me, how did you end up where you did? You know, what can I do with my kids? I said, well, my, what my dad did was he just put tools in my hands. He wasn't overbearing. He didn't worry about if I got hurt. And I did. I got hurt all the time. But hmm. I remember cutting my thumb right down the middle on the jigsaw and he just laughed. He goes, ha, he goes, ha, he goes, get used to it. He was like, he wasn't even like, <laughs> he didn't Thanks, baby dad. me. He, I remember working with him and there'd be blood all over all, all the wood or whatever. He's like, oh yeah, I cut my thumb with a razor blade. And like, he wouldn't, it, like to him getting injured was, was not, a, was not a showstopper. Right. And so, I, I mean, I definitely adapted that personality from him. But as a kid, my dad put tools in the hands of all of us, including my sister. When he saw that my, my younger sister, my sister's four years younger than me and she's Kathleen Duresta. She's a platinum jewelry designer and gold and silver. And she sets diamonds and she makes jewelry for, for mostly wedding bands and stuff. But early on, when my dad started noticing her, he was constantly giving her tools and putting tools in her hands as well. And uh, I, I told this story early on. My dad bought me my first set of chisels and I was so intimidated by them. I didn't touch them for nearly 10 years. He got it for me when I was like 12 or 13 years old. I didn't touch them until I was like, until, until I was an older teenager, maybe 18, 19, really, is when I first started playing with them. But they were these like gorgeous chisels with like, you know, all probably really vintage. I still have them. I, I, those are my set of chisels that are in my toolbox. They're all vintage, really old. So I, I, all my guitars I've carved with them. And, uh, but he saw in me, you know, what I was, what I hadn't seen yet. So, you know, I definitely, definitely, uh, credit my dad with my early, early start for sure. And then mm. one, one funny story. I've said it a few times. I don't know if I've ever said it here. I just recently, I did the, the maker cast podcast. So my story is up on that. Now that we, published it a couple of weeks ago and I talk about my early beginnings and my high school time. But in elementary school, my dad encouraged me and my brothers to go collect names and we would cut names out on the jigsaw. And my dad would hand draw all the names. So we'd come back with like a little list of say 10 names and my dad would hand draw them on stock, drill holes in the middle of the, uh, any, any letter, like the B's and the O's, all the letters were hand bubble letters and me and my brothers would jigsaw them out. And my dad would burn them, we'd brush them with a wire brush, then varnish them, and then we'd bring them back to school for money. So we had these custom, my dad was, it, was my, it wasn't our idea, it was my dad's idea. He's like, go collect names and we'll make signs for the kids at school. <laughs> so it's funny, That's and every awesome. once in a long while, some like an old friend from my hometown will, will send me a picture of one of those things that I made like in the 1970s. They're like, look what my mom found in my room. That's awesome. And it'll say like Jim or Joe or, you know, just whatever that kid's name is. <laughs> bubble letters that my dad hand drew that me and my brother John cut out. Hmm. When I was in 1977, I was 10 years old. So that was about when we started doing that. That's awesome. Yeah. So I, my dad was definitely, you know, the early beginnings for me. Yeah. It, it's interesting. Um, I, I think about being the other side of that, right? I want to be that for my kids and I want to do invest those same ideas into them get them get their ideas flowing and give them freedom to do that but i'm also finding now that they're getting a little bit older <clears throat> they're actually doing the same thing for me which is kind of weird but i have this thing written down in evernote because i always want to go back and re be reminded of it my son hawk is five and they all know that i make stuff they all you know, have asked me to make different things. And my older kids, the two older ones, usually ask me to make something that's reasonable. It's like, you know, hey, can you make me a, a wooden sword so I can play pirates or whatever, you know. And Hawk is at the age where he doesn't have any idea what's reasonable or not. 
And that's actually turned out to be kind of cool a few times. <laughs> so one great. time he asked me, and he was dead serious, if I would make him some rocket boots. <laughs> He's like, can you make rocket boots for me so that I can fly? And like, you could have fire come out of the back of them, and then I could fly around in the room. And I started kind of giggling, and then I looked at him, and he was dead serious. And he, <laughs> he had no reason to believe that I would not be able to do that. I can make those. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll take a size 10 and a half, please. Okay. But the thing that got me about that was just that, like, you know, I I put a lot of limits on what I even attempt because I know, like, okay, here are my boundaries, you know. Um, and, and like, he doesn't have that. And that's awesome that kids don't have that. And I should try really hard not to have that myself, you know, and just think, like, what's the most ridiculous thing? And then... And, like, don't make stuff once I hit the walls. Once I realize, yes, I can't actually make rocket boots. But I should at least try. You know, I should <laughs> I should head that direction. Yeah, but cool. so it's it's cool that my kids are actually pushing me to be more creative and be more like them, like the, the way that they think now. Yeah, I mean, we were all creative as kids, and, and some people just lose that. I think it's a muscle that you just have to keep using over and over again. And I hear people all the time say, I'm just not a creative person. And I just don't think they're trying. I think I think there's creativity in everybody. You just have to learn to experiment and, and be open to it. Well, I think a lot of that too comes down to like how people define creativity. Like some people think of if you say do something creative, they're thinking, well, it has to be artistic, like like visually artistic, or it has to be whatever. They just have a really clear, defined version of what they think something creative is, but it's really just it's problem solving in a way that you know is unique to you and so maybe that's writing code maybe you come up with it you can have creative code it's a way to use the tools that you have in a way that's not normal or you know so when it comes to being creative it's probably far less about the method and more about just you know coming up with a way to to use what you have in a way that's different than the norm Mm -hmm. a lot of people when you ask them to be creative they get intimidated they think they have to hit the ball out of the park and that's one thing I try and tell my students all the time. It's like, you know, just you've never, you know, if, it, if you're doing something you've never done before, you need to at least get your feet wet. So hmm. you don't, don't put that pressure on yourself. Just start jotting down ideas or just jump into it and don't worry about hitting that grand slam. You know, you, you, you have to build up to that. You guys got anything else about um, our families and how they, any other cool stories or anything? Uh, just like I said, I just think it's important just to, you know, if you're around someone that's creative or someone that's, you know, like we, like we all make our living doing this and I have to, maybe, I don't know why I have this mentality. I guess, you know, at the same time, my dad always thought that we should all be civil servants, even though he, he totally encouraged me to be creative. And then when I got time to become like part of the workforce, he's like, oh, you should be a cop. You should be a fireman. I'm like, but wait a minute. You just spent the last 10 years making me creative. Yeah, but if you, you could be creative and you could also be a cop. I'm like, not in my world. I'm going to be creative. I'm not going to be a cop. And he really pushed. He pushed, pushed, pushed me. My brother my brother fell for it. My brother became a cop for 15 years. And I know he was miserable. So, I mean, my dad uh, is a dreamer in a way, and he's very curious, but he was also very, very safe in the way that he had to be a civil servant himself. He was a New York City fireman. So he pushed that on me, but... Uh, I just think it's important that if you see somebody that's creative, you just nurture it and don't you know, nurture it and see where it goes. And when somebody becomes of a certain age that it's time for them to develop a career, see, see if you can help them develop that career. 
that's creative. Don't just give them a left turn and say, oh, this is really nice. It was really great that you did these for the last 12 years. Now do this because this is a safer route. Hmm. You know, in, in this world, I guess the world we live in now is very different than the world that my, my dad saw when I was 15 years old. There's so much more opportunity now, you know, as far as like, you know, we, we were talking about how we'll make an income on YouTube before the show started. And we're talking, you know, there's so many more opportunities now. You know, a kid could start a really cool Instagram and then become an influencer. And then all of a sudden he's getting paid by somebody to put one picture up. And that's before he's even going to college. So it's such a different world now. And there's so many different ways of making money in a fun, creative, you know, quote unquote, not a real job situation. So I think parents need to just pay more more attention to these different opportunities that kids are open to now, and, yeah. and nurture those nurture those bizarre income income avenues, if you know if if it's possible. So I'm not a parent, so I, I I don't know how I would approach this. But to have kids involved in your life, you have to have then you need, you need to have them involved in what you're doing, Bob. What you do is you make things. How do you not push too hard to your kids how do you draw that line well it's tough and i it, with the making stuff um there's like the safety issue which i know is not a, a reason to keep them out of the shop or to, or to stop them from doing that but it is like a it's a bump that i always consider <clears throat> but that helps me i think not push too hard on them because like I don't want them to be using tools unless they want to use tools because if they don't want to, it's not going to be safe. It's not going to be good for anybody. So I try not to force that too much. But when I think about music specifically, I grew up being forced to play music until play piano, take piano lessons until I was, I don't know, sixth or seventh grade. And at that point it just clicked. And all of a sudden I loved playing piano and I wanted to play piano. And, mm. but I, it, they forced me for like six or seven years to get to that point. And I realized in hindsight that that was a really good thing for me. It's something I would not have continued on my own because I was too worried about playing GI Joes and doing other stuff that wouldn't have been productive eventually. And they didn't force me to do everything, but that was one thing that they really, you, you're going to do this, right? And then the rest of my time was free to be whatever I wanted to be. And I'm really glad they did that. So I'm trying to do the same type of thing with my kids to find something that I think, and music is one of those things that I can't, I think can be really productive for a kid in the way that they learn and the discipline that comes along with it and stuff like that. So I'm trying to find a way to, to have one thing that I can force them to do to a point, <laughs> but, then, but then the rest of the stuff, you know, like they may like it. They may not, they may not want to make stuff. They may not want to play soccer. They may not want to do baller, you know, ballerina stuff or whatever, you know, I want to give them those opportunities, but I don't want to force them to to stay on all those paths and feel like they have to be able to do everything because I see a lot of families where the kids are bound to so many different things. They have to be a sports person. They have to be really good in school. They have to do scouts and they have to do this and they have to do that. And that's like, that's putting a lot of pressure on kids who just really want to play all the time and need development outside of those things things you know yeah yeah i see my my brother's son my my brother's son he's about 12 years old he's uh into mma mixed martial arts Hmm. and he's just he's he's not a big kid but my brother is big into that my brother joey he's 53 years old and he still practices and goes to the gym and does all this jujitsu and all this stuff and uh his son i know for him 
he would want nothing more than his son to be interested in it. But my brother's also of the practical mind where if he's not interested, he's not going to push the kid. Hmm. And, uh, but you know, to, to his credit, the kid is into it. My, my nephew Aiden, he's into it and he's learning and, you know, he just keeps winning awards and my brother's so proud of him. And, you know, he constantly says, I'm not pushing him. Like, he's like, I'm not pushing him. He's doing it on his own. Because but because uh, yeah. everyone's like, oh, of course he's doing that because you do that all the time. And he's like, no, no, no. He's doing it on his own. He wants to do it. He's learning more and more about it on his own. So I know uh, my brother's proud of him for that. Yeah, I bet. Yeah, and I mean, it's easy to think like, I, you know, me as an, as an adult, I do this thing that I really like. And I want to pass that on to my kid because I want them to enjoy it like I enjoy it. But then when I look at my kids, four kids have entirely different personalities. And so just because I like something, I can see this one would probably also like it too, because we share our personalities in this, you know, in this one certain way. Whereas this next one, there's no way my daughter doesn't care about, I don't know, whatever the thing is, she doesn't care about it because she's into a totally different thing. She relates to the world around her in a very different way than I do. And so it makes a lot of sense to not try to force what you want and what you maybe think is best for them on all of them in the way that you think is best for them. Cause they each have their own personality and they're going to react differently to different things. You're going to be able to, I think for me, I spend, I try to spend time figuring out who they are, where they fit, how they learn the best, and then try to find something that I can attach them to, you know, that's going to foster that stuff. And that might be making things, but it might not. You know, and so I yeah. have to be okay. As a parent, I have to be okay with that. Like they may not carry on the stuff that I like. It's okay. Yeah. You know, absolutely. So here's a related question that came from Mark on Twitter: Gifts you would get kids these days to help them become makers. Anything comes to mind? I remember when I was a kid growing up, we had those like 101 electronic kits where you build a little AM and FM radio, and yeah. you made a light blink and 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 all that stuff. Uh, times are a little bit different these days. Now, what do you get, kids? I'm going to say it before Bob. Go for it. Legos. <laughs> I think Legos are still relevant. I'm yeah, absolutely. Joking. Yeah. They're still 100% relevant as far as kids' imagination and building blocks. And the more, as an adult, the more people I speak to, the more people I realize, and, and Bob, you're included in that, Legos, like Star Wars, has been a huge influence on so many makers. And I joke about Star Wars, but it's it's spawned hundreds of thousands of makers in this world. I mean, early on in my toy business career, so many of the guys I met that I became friends with that were amazing designers said, Legos and Star Wars, Legos and mm. Star Wars. I mean, I hear it over and over again. So I yeah. said Legos. I would totally agree with that. I think one of the reasons Lego has been around for so long and it's been in the place that all, you know, it affected us all in that same way is because they're kind of expensive, but they're reasonably expensive right? I mean, they're not inaccessible. There's a lot of things now that are really cool, but they're expensive. They're like little bits are a thing that, you know, they've sponsored some of my videos and I I really legitimately do think they're an awesome thing and can be really cool for kids, but they're expensive. Yeah. And there's a lot of things like that where this will teach them coding. This will teach them electronics. This will teach them how to do whatever. But, you know, if they don't take to it, you know, if three of my four kids are not interested and that's not the way they learn, I've dumped a whole lot of money into nothing. Legos are open-ended enough and inexpensive enough that they yeah. can be anything for anyone. And that's probably, you know, a lot of the power there, I think. In, in Yeah. No, I, I, from time to time, I'll go, if I'm in the toy store for one reason or another doing research, I always buy a little bag of Legos and play with them. 
Yeah. <laughs> and they all they always end up finding their way to the big bag in the workshop. <laughs> Just currently lost. I couldn't find them the other day. Hmm. I think uh you know, right along the lines of what Jimmy said, you know, the classic Lego toys. I think classic, like, crayons, colored pencils, markers, paints, anything that allows kids to make something out of nothing and just encourage creativity is, is, is a good thing. Yeah. You know? I, I've gotten – so, you know, obviously I'm trying to figure out things that my kids will gravitate towards. I'm trying to give them all the tools they can to make things. There's a lot of things that are um, out now – really clever ways to attach pieces of cardboard, you know, like these little kits of like fasteners and stuff that people can use, but totally what you're saying, it always comes back to duct tape or it comes <laughs> back to scotch tape. And so we've got the boxes of these like clever fasteners, but my son Hawk that I was talking about before, I buy him scotch tape. That's the thing that I buy him once a month or so. He has full access to our recycle bin where we don't, you know, we don't put like metal or glass or anything in there. It's just all cardboard and paper. So he has full access to that. He has full access to tape and safety scissors. <laughs> and that's what he does. He doesn't play with action figures. He doesn't play with dinosaurs. He makes stuff out of cardboard. And so just having access to things like that is, you know, hugely powerful. So if anybody I, wants to get my son, a, you know, rolls of tape for Christmas, go for it. You want to hear something <laughs> funny? I'm sitting here giggling. Me and my brothers call my mother the Scotch Tape Bandit because yeah. everything in the house gets fixed with Scotch Tape. Like the, the trim on the refrigerator, the mirror is loose. Everything has scotch tape. And scotch tape lasts for about five minutes and it splits right in the middle wherever it's supposed to be like repairing two things together. So we always joke and we say the scotch tape bandit strikes again. Yeah. <laughs> he's the same way. He's pretty sure that it can attach anything to anything forever. <laughs> so I'll, you know, I'll see this like some really heavy book and he's like, oh, I needed this as a backpack on this Chewbacca toy. So he's like, wrapping the whole thing in scotch tape like it's gonna hold it up <laughs> yeah but it, uh, as far as like other stuff you know for kids um last year we got i think we might have even talked about it on the show but i got my oldest son who's now eight his a uh, first his first toolbox and um it's a, you know just a red steel toolbox with some basic stuff in it screwdrivers um you know adjustable wrench things like that and so i've got one he got his last year. Our daughter's going to get hers this year. And then next year, the third, we'll get, you know, we'll, we're going to give them out like that. So it's just a basic toolbox from Harbor Freight for a few dollars, fill it up with a few hand tools, and then give them a piece of old electronics to take apart. I mean, that's what, you know, you give them an old VCR. You got to make sure they don't get in touch with the capacitors or anything like that that can discharge and kill them. But other than that... <laughs> <laughs> Give them something, you know, like if you have an old tape recorder or like a, an old CD player, anything like that, that, you know, you know, you're not going to use. There's nothing dangerous in it. Give it to them and tell them to take it apart. I did that with my oldest and I don't even remember what it was, but I said, here, take this apart. Unscrew every screw you can find. He's like, but I won't be able to put it back together. I was like, exactly. You're not going to be able to put it back together. It's not supposed to go back together. Break every part of it. It's okay. We're going to recycle it. We're going to get rid of it. Just enjoy and he was like had this look on his face like i get to destroy something <laughs> you know, he was so excited i think it was and a vcr did. we talked about that before right i was yeah we might have yeah, yeah. but cool. it's it's a cool thing i mean and like i said earlier that's my parents had a lot of that stuff i don't know that they really wanted me to take them apart but they didn't get mad at me when i did take them apart <laughs> and that was a big part of me exploring and like you know how does the inside of a tape player work well now i know because i took it apart hmm. and ruined it but 
All right. And then the last question uh, from Twitter, this comes from Wood Seats. What would the three of you buy each other for Christmas? <laughs> Sensible and silly. So I'm going to go first. Go for and it. for Jimmy, I this is the silly gift. I am boom. I am giving him access to get on a plane and bypass security. So you can take all your axes, all your ice picks, and you don't have to drive for four days across the country to to meet up with us. Oh, awesome. Thank you. Is what? that a real thing? You could really do that? I don't think so. No. <laughs> you could charter your own, I guess. Right? Oh, that's it. I'll charter me a flight. And then for Bob, I would get Bob a bigger a bigger space to work in. Hmm. You need sweet. more room, Bob. I do. Do what are we going are we doing a round of crazy gifts? Sure. Cuz I don't ha- I don't I don't have a real gift. Oh. <laughs> idea yet. So. Well, for you, I would buy you a whole new sewer system. Oh, thank you. And and more headspace in your workshop. Please. Uh my my uh, the scab is gone, you see that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And and Bob, I would I would cover your carport and make it a workshop. Ah. Uh. Thank you. That would be fantastic. You can, you know, that's something you can actually do. So oh, if you nice. want to come down here, you can really do that. That would be a Christmas miracle. <laughs> Don't count it. <laughs> I'm building my own garage first if I could ever get to it. Um, I was going to say for Jimmy, it would be um, a new outlet next door for all the sewage that comes into his shop. Oh, yeah. Mm. Let's just funnel it to my neighbor because I hate him. That's awesome. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> I'll, I'll give you the, the ability to funnel it wherever you like. So I don't want to be responsible for that. It'd be like a crazy straw. You can just. By the way, I don't know who listens to this. If I have any neighbors, I was just totally joking. There really are no neighbors that I dislike. The pizza place is awesome. I love Rizzo's Pizza. And then for David, yeah, I was going to say a bigger shop as well. Maybe just making your basement taller. Yeah. yeah. Headspace yeah. is great. Yeah. It's awesome. And as and far as oh, I, and also for yeah. Jimmy, um, and this is maybe a real one. I'm gonna. I would like to get you um, all of the Star Wars movies in the attention span to sit down and watch them oh. and fall asleep. <laughs> so you I know give me the, a big the, thing. the abbreviated version, the trailer version of all. Can, can we stream <laughs> yeah. them together so it's 82 hours long? Actually, you know, there's a guy on YouTube that put all six of them over top of each other, and you can watch all six of them at the same time, and it will break your mind to try to watch that. It's oh wow, it's hard. It really is hard to watch. That's so crazy. much visual stuff. That, that reminds me, it's totally unrelated, but that, you know what that reminds me of? Do you guys remember the movie Time Code? Came out about 20 oh, years ago. Oh, yeah, yeah. But it, was, uh, it was on video, really started to become popular more as a tool in the movies. Somebody made a, a full movie, like maybe 90 minutes long, or maybe, you know, it's just short of 90 minutes, and it was four cameras filming four separate aspects. So when you watch the movie, you're looking at four quadrants, and it's one long take on four cameras and people go in and out of the different cameras as the story develops and changes. Hmm. Yeah. It's really crazy. It's a great concept. Yeah. Yeah. That's time code. But um, if I was going to get you guys a real gift, I would get you guys carving chisels, like the ones Mm. I described that my dad would get me. So if you guys don't have carving chisels, buy them for yourselves and say they're from me. But I'm talking (laughs) about like, not just like dovetaily chisels. I'm talking about like scoops and, and gouges and that kind of stuff. So you could illustrate in wood hmm. try and illustrate some low relief stuff and then uh and that's that's definitely an exercise I, I i'm not as practiced as i should be there was a time in my life where i carved all the time and i haven't done it lately and i keep thinking i want to do a video where i'm going to be carving and i just have to come up with a good project but i, I will do it eventually I, I i should do it more but that's very liberating and extremely rewarding when you have like an image 
you draw it and then you carve all the background around it and then give it some dimension. It's, it's like a real, it's, it's really rewarding to be able to get there. A few months ago, I went to the carving museum here in Ohio. And while there, I bought a carving knife and haven't touched it yet. Get to Someday. it. Someday. Get, get to it. Carving it like a potato in the beginning, just to understand how to do it. So, you know. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Then cook it and eat it. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Well, for serious gifts, um, I mean, these aren't serious in that I could afford them, but we give Jimmy a laser. Jimmy Ooh. needs a laser. I'll mm. take it. Yeah. Yeah. Either that or like a CNC plasma. I could see you doing oh, some plasma. insane stuff with a CNC plasma. Oh, I can't wait to get one. I just need yeah. space. That's why both of those things that I would have bought myself by now, if I had like a, a place to park them for a long time. If I get them now, I'm just going to have to move them again in a few months, and that's why I haven't done it. Yeah. And for David, for the practical thing, um, the space and all the all the stuff you would need to paint, mm. like an art, like an, a painting studio, you know, mm. you could enjoy it and test it out and stuff. Oh, very nice. I like that. Yeah. Very nice. Oh, so serious gift. I guess I would, um, you know, if I had piles of money, I would pour the foundation for Jimmy's new shop. <gasps> yeah. Oh, we're going to do it mm. in March, so make sure you get yeah. the check-in before then. <laughs> and then, Bob, I'd buy you a plane ticket to go visit that uh, Jimmy's work, new workshop. Nice. So. I'll take that. Yeah. We could do a podcast from the Cements Lab. Yeah. <laughs> Most echoey podcast ever. <laughs> no, there would just be noise above us. <laughs> there would be the 18 wheelers nearby that air brake on the way down the hill. That's all you'd hear. Did you ever buy the, um, the, uh, what was the piece of machinery that you bid on that was near no, your No, he never, you know, it's so funny you guys ask. He, they, they never came back to me, but there's one, there's a running one for like 25 grand, which I don't have the money for that right now, but, uh, there's the same piece of equipment, uh, hmm. by, uh, JCB, which is Joe's company. Uh, that I made the sign for. Anyway, the, I just took pictures of it this morning. I was going to maybe talk to the owner about it. But like I said, he's asking twenty five grand, and it's a little too much for me right now. But that other one would have been a project. It would have been like more like video Chevy type video project. Which, by the way, I have a couple Chevy videos I haven't pu- published yet. I just got to tweak them. So my Chevy update videos. Nice. So no, I haven't heard from them. I don't know what's happening with that. Gotcha. Hmm. Well, have you guys been watching anything cool? I'm going to wrap up with that. Yeah. No. It is. Uh, I've been watching The Joy of Painting by Bob Ross on Hulu. <laughs> nice. I lost my mind when I realized it was on Hulu. And only like only season 20 is on there. But if you have Hulu, do yourself a favor and watch it. It's so soothing. And <laughs> Bob is just the most calm, nicest person you'll ever see on camera. And not a bad painter as well. Is it true that he was like a Navy SEAL? I, I have no <laughs> idea. I, well, I, I to, heard this crazy backstory that he was like pretty well, hardcore. You know, I'll tell guy. you what, what, what you probably have. The, the, what is the comedian's name who died in a car accident? The big heavy guy in the 1990s. Um, Sam Kinison. One of Sam Kinison's bits, and it, and it got knocked off a hundred ways, was he did that guy as if he was having like Vietnam flashbacks. <laughs> like he was being super calm and then he goes from being super calm to being like completely crazy flashback mode like running from bombs <laughs> so that might be what you remember yeah it could be like you know that's been mutated three times so for you listeners it is your job this week to fact check and see if bob ross was a navy seal <laughs> <laughs> in vietnam tweet us tweet us <laughs> about you jimmy 
Uh, you know who I've been watching? I'm obviously getting into the knife making game, the knife making game. And Walter Sorrells is a very, very skilled knife maker, and he shares all of his secrets on his YouTube channel. And it's amazing. And he's got a great speaking voice. It's like he could be doing commercials for any product that chooses him. But he's uh, he's a, a skilled knife maker. And like I said, he's just so generous with the information. So if anybody's interested in making knives and he's not pretentious and he's not, you know, he doesn't, a lot of these knife makers are very like, you know, this is the only way to do it. He's just, he's very, he's very, uh, how do you say, generous with the information and, and hmm. in a, in an easy to listen to way. So that's Walter Sorrell's. Cool. Um, so I got like kind of two things. One is a video that I, I don't even know how to pronounce it. It's in another language <laughs> and it's, um, a magazine, Pregusia. I don't know how to say it. I apologize, but I'll put the link to it. It's this two minute, two and a half minute video about these guys making hand making hand binding books and doing like the gold leaf inlay on the spines. And it's just a really pretty oh, wow. video. Um, You'll, you'll like it a lot. Um, past that, I haven't watched anything else on the channel. I don't know anything about where it came from or what it is or anything, but it's just a pretty video. So there's that. And then, have you guys ever watched the bad lip reading videos? <laughs> no. Really? Oh, man. Okay, so it's a really funny channel. You need to watch them. They specifically put out three for the, new, for the old Star Wars movies. And the first one's not really that funny, but the other two are really funny. But on this channel, they've done this a bunch of times. They do it for, like, <clears throat> presidential uh, debates on both sides of the fence. They do it for the NFL lip readings are some of the funniest ones. I've, I've seen some of those. Oh, man. They do it for, like, you know, most movies, most big budget movies that come out and everything. But the a couple of the new Star Wars ones that came out are really hilarious. So, <laughs> And if you've never seen them, be sure to watch the NFL ones because they're funny, too. You know, they just mimic over what it would sound like if somebody, if they were reading lips and then, you know, doing it in silly voices and stuff. <laughs> They're really good, but there's much cool. trouble in the fuselage. That's for the, that's for the people that are my age or older. There's What's much trouble in the fuselage. You guys are two babies. You don't know. <laughs> are you going to tell us or is it going to be a mystery? That's uh, I, that's from the odd couple. And oh, Felix no and Oscar were on the airplane and one of them was afraid to fly and he was lip reading the guys on the ground. And he says, Klaus, there's much trouble with the fuselage. And he gets started panicking. That's what he lip read the guys on the ground crew saying to each other <laughs> <laughs> from his seat on the airplane. Nice. And, he, and he wanted to get off the plane. I think it was uh, Felix was the one who was uptight to fly. <laughs> so that's, a, that's like a reference from the 1970s. I did watch The Odd Couple in reruns. You know, yeah. But. Well, yeah, I guess I did too. But uh, there's much trouble. Klaus, there's much trouble in the fuselage. <laughs> Awesome. Bad lip cool. reading. Cool. Well, um, yeah, <laughs> bad lip reading. See, if we did a video of this podcast, which we people ask us all the time, and we're not going to do, we don't want to do, but if we did, they could do funny lip reading over it, which might be <laughs> worthwhile. <laughs> might be really bad as well, but anyway. Um, well, that'll probably do it uh, for us this week. Um, Merry Christmas to everybody that celebrates Christmas. That's Merry Christmas. I Merry guess Christmas. the day that this is coming out. So, yeah. Merry Christmas. Yeah. Happy Hanukkah, Happy Kwanzaa, Happy, Happy New, Year. New Year. We'll be back before New Year. But. Yes, we're gonna do a we're gonna do fun year end review, looking ahead show next week. Correct? Yes. Yeah. Let's yeah. do that. All so right. if you guys got anything specific you want us to talk about in that, tweet it at us. 
And um, yeah, that's it for this week. See you guys next time. Thank Later you. On.